Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good afternoon, everybody. How are you today? Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. And especially if you're a guest today, man, we just want to say a big thank you uh, for joining us today. This is number three of our of our worship gatherings today, and we're so glad you're here. This is the uh, this is the crowd that's gotten a little bit more sleep than everybody else. So I expect you to be more lively than everybody else. Seven of you got the memo. But that's okay. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. It's gonna be great. Hey, a couple things just before we jump in. Uh, two things actually. Um, at the beginning of every year, uh, we do a thing called 21 Days of Prayer uh, and Fasting. In August, we do just 21 Days of Prayer. In January, we do both. Because how many of you know by the end of the holidays, you should probably fast a little bit. Anybody know what I'm saying? Nobody's with me on that. Um, but anyways, we do this every year. And so January the 5th through January the 25th, we'll be praying as a church. Some of you won't be able to gather with us at all of the times or any of the times. But we're just asking people to pray and pray for specific, specific things. And we'll give you a list and guidelines, some prayer journals to, to work from. Uh, but on Saturdays from 9 to 10, during that, those three weeks, we'll be praying here uh, hopefully not here, hopefully down the road. Uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, we will be praying uh, either here or there, uh, or maybe here and there, depending on how it works out, uh, from 6 to 7 in the mornings. And again, it's one of those things, if you can come, come. There's just real power when we gather together in prayer. And then a lot of us will be fasting as well. Some of us will be doing the Daniel fast. Others will be just doing their own kinds of fast. Maybe they're fasting social media. Some of you just should probably fast Dr. Pepper or whatever it is that you uh, should fast. Um, but you can make that decision, and we'll give you some resources to think about that. You can actually go over to our website, lifepointsa.com, and click on the 21 Days of Prayer, and there's some information there as well. And we'll be adding to that as we go along. I just wanted you to make you aware about that. And the other thing I want to tell you about is uh, just a quick building update. Most of you know that we're building a, a building right down the road here, two miles from here. It's really close, and I've been saying that for a long time because I thought it was really close, but now it actually is really close. And, you know, you get the information from the builders, and they say, hey, here's how long it's going to take. And you're like, oh, yay. And you're kind of naive, and you don't really know that every builder, even the great ones, even the ones that mean to, things happen. They don't, they don't always have control over everything. And so when they give me information, I give it to you, and sometimes it's just frankly not right. Uh, but the most recent thing they told us was that mid-January we'll be in the building. They said that the building will be done at the end of this month, and then it'll take some time. Uh, there's some permits still that we haven't quite gotten yet. Uh, and we're wrestling with them and the city on some stuff because it's, it's about a lot of money. Frankly, a lot of money, big differences between money. Uh, so we're, we're willing to fight that fight if we can. Uh, Adam Farrell, I saw him walking in. Wherever you're at, Adam. Adam's been going to bat for us uh, down at the city. He's been fighting the good fight for us. So, Adam, could you raise your hand real quick? Yeah, there he is right over there. Give it up for Adam. Give it up for Adam. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, appreciate you. Uh, anyways, um, so that's an update. If you haven't been by the building and you want to come by, come by when we're there, but we're there uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and a lot of times there's other people there. Uh, we don't want you to wander around the building because things could fall on you, and then we'll be responsible. So we don't want you to do that, but if we're there, we'd love to show you around. Uh, but really quickly, we'll be letting you know a date, um, and hopefully it's, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. You guys excited about that? I, I certainly am, yeah. So this morning, we're starting off our, our two-week Christmas series and we're just going to preach about Jesus. We didn't even have a good title, so we just called it Christmas at LifePoint because we're generic like that. Um, but we're going to preach about Jesus. I felt like the Lord gave me a word in August when I went on my retreat. Um, and it was, I don't get a lot of words like this, but I just felt a very distinct make much of Jesus in the fall season. And, and of course, we're always trying to do that. But it was like 
you know, kick it up a notch. And so that's what I'm going to do today. So just to kind of get us started, how many of you have kids in the room? Would you raise your hands, kids? Those of you, <laughs> every service has been like, maybe, I'm like, they're, they're still in denial. No, no, you actually have some kids. Uh, do you remember how difficult it was to come up with a name? Do you guys remember how hard that was? Some of you were like, no, it wasn't, because in third grade I did that thing. And then they said, <laughs> and you guys know what I'm talking about, that little thing. And it's like, you're going to have three kids and their names are going to be, and you're like, that's the word from the Lord right there. And you have had no problems. Um, but a, a lot of us had a hard time with that. And so as you're kind of going through down the list, there's a lot of things to consider. Like, what, I can't name them anything that the elementary kids are going to make fun of them for, because elementary kids be making fun of other kids. Can I, can I get an amen on that? Um, basically, ex-boyfriends and girlfriends are off limits. You can't use that. Uh, then, then some of you, you went to the extreme, and my wife and I did this as well, where you got a book of names. Anybody ever do, anybody do this? Raise your hands if you did that, right? And so there's so many that it's overwhelming, and so finally you're just like, Lumumba, Lumumba. You shall be called Lumumba. Mother, how did I get this name? Well, I stuck my finger in the book, and that's what it was there. You're welcome, son. You know what I'm saying? I actually did have a friend named Lumumba in Kenya. So that's a real name. Somebody actually did that, apparently. Um, so um, there's all these contortions that you go to, through when you're trying to decide a name. And, and um, so I want to come. And there's actually a point here, believe it or not. You're like, how can he go, be going somewhere with this? I want you to take your Bibles if you have them or if on your phones or your devices, whatever you got there. Or you can just look on the screen if you're lazy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding if you want to. I, I will tell you this. There's nothing I love. I read the Bible every single day on my phone, but there's nothing like bringing your Bible to church if you, are, if you actually have a paper one. If you're not, we'll get you one, by the way. If you're like, I don't want to get one, well, we'll get you one. Um, and writing in the margins, and God won't strike you dead for writing in the Bible, by the way. But let me tell you the beauty of it is when you're writing down something that God reveals to you or shows you or gives you an aha moment for and you write it down next to the verse that where you got it, um, it'll speak to you later on in your life. It'll have a way of speaking to you in a season where you're like, God, I don't know what to do. And then you'll see something, some word from the Lord that he gave you during a message or a song, and it'll speak back to you. And if nothing else, someday you'll give it off to a kid or a grandkid when you move on in life or move on from this life, and it'll speak to them. There's a real value in your word being with you and writing in it, okay? Amen, somebody? Amen. All right, just an FYI. I just want to throw that out there. Um, so... Isaiah chapter 9, this is the prophet Isaiah, who is a mouthpiece from God to the nation of Israel, and by extension, in some ways, to us as well. And in Isaiah chapter 9, here's what he says, and this is the text for the series for the next two weeks. I would love to have four or five weeks to unpack this, but I don't. Here's what he says for verse 6, for unto us, matter of fact, if you can, re read it aloud with me, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. So, sort of a complicated name, and if you read it in the original language, which I can't read the original language, but I can see how it's phrased, it's all just one long name. All of these are one name, which would be kind of complicated on a spelling test when you're writing your name. Can I get some more lines for my name? Bad joke. All right, anyways, moving on. Why all these names? Well, in that culture, and in a lot of cultures actually, names are kind of the essence, and the way they're derived for a lot of folks would be like some key event in 
at the birth of the child that was going on in the country, going on personally, and their name would reflect that moment. Um, it could be the kind of thing where a, a parent was looking at this baby going, I want to I pronounce a, a prophecy or a prophesy a blessing over you. I want to name you something that will indicate what I hope for you, and you'll find a lot of the biblical names have something like that. And so names are essence. And so 700 years before Christ's birth, Isaiah is prophesying the coming Messiah and says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, uh, and that's what I want to focus in on is that part of this name, this long name. Wonderful Counselor. Th- these two English words come from two Hebrew words, Pele uh, Yoez, and Pele means beyond understanding. There's a derivative that says that it means too wonderful for words. So like when Isaiah is hearing from God what, it, what, what, what Jesus will be called, these names that Jesus will be called, uh, he uses a word that says, hey, there's not enough words or a good enough word to describe how wonderful he's going to be. He's just too wonderful for words. I had a friend who wrote a song called More Than Wonderful based on this very text. Um, Yoez is the word translated as counselor. And of course, a counselor is somebody who advises or con- you consult with or they, they can kind of become a guide or a coach along life. A counselor uh, sheds light on dark places, uh, sheds light on confusing things, brings clarity around those things. And so prophet says, the prophet says, one day a son will be born, a child will be given, and his name will be Pele Yoez, and he will be the wonderful counselor. And the biblical record would go on and say he would become uh, Emmanuel, or God with us, that he is God incarnated in human flesh. And I love to tell this because the word incarnate uh, is, the root word is carne. Come on, somebody. Carne guisada, because that's my favorite thing. So what it means is God with meat, which proves that God is not a vegetarian, everybody. Um, all the men said amen, and, and the women. A little redneck theology for there for you. Um, anyways. He's alpha, he's omega, he's beginning, he's end, he's two wonderful words, majestic in all of his ways, and yet, he understands you, he knows every detail of your life, he cares about what you're going through, and this is why he can be called Wonderful Counselor. This is why. There's a text in Hebrews, I'll read it for you in a little bit, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that says... That, he, that Jesus is somebody that we can go to. And the reason we can go to him, the reason that he's approachable, the word is, that he uses the word approach, is that whatever we've gone through, whatever we've been tempted by, whatever pain and hurt and disappointments we experience, he's experienced it as well. That's what the text says. That's what Hebrews 4 says. We have this team here at LifePoint. We don't make a big fuss about them in terms of like broadcasting them, but... We have a team that we kind of loosely call the rescue team, and they have to go through a training, seven lessons I think it is, and lesson I think it is two is called your unfair advantage, and it's a strange notion, but the notion is simply that whatever it is that you've gone through in life that is your worst thing, whatever the worst thing that you've gone through, but that you've come through and now you're still standing becomes your unfair advantage, meaning that if you come through a divorce, or you've come through the loss of a loved one, who better to talk to somebody else going through the very same thing than somebody who's been through it and survived it and is still standing? 
And the writer of Hebrews is letting us know this is exactly who Jesus is, the one who's come through all of the things that you've gone through, and he's still standing, and he's alive forevermore, and so he knows, man. He knows what you're going through. He's experienced it as well, and this is what makes him approachable. And it says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Now the question is that I have is why would this be an important prophecy 700 years uh, before the actual event? Why does the nation of Israel to whom this is written, why do, why do they need to know that there's somebody coming through, the, through, through their country who is a wonderful counselor? Why do they need to know that? Well, let's dig that for a minute. If you have your Bibles, turn back a chapter, chapter 8. And I'm in a season of my life where I can't see you unless I have my glasses on, but I can't see this unless I take them off. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm old, man. Look at me. All pasty and gray and whatnot. Anyways. Chapter 8, verse 19. Here's what the prophet says. When, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should, should not a people inquire of their God? Like, like, like isn't it just good, good practice to go talk to God about your stuff. But this is not what they're doing. He says, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Now, this is so important to understanding Isaiah chapter 9. He's confronting, the prophet's confronting the nation of Israel, in particular their leadership, because when it came time to, to seek counsel and advice and spiritual knowledge for how to govern and lead the country, um, they, these people are going to and, and consulting mediums and spiritists. In order to receive spiritual guidance, the king Ahaz is turning to what we would call today the occult, right? People who are practicing sort of black arts, if you will. Their leaders, especially the king, is seeking counsel from satanic forces rather than from their God. And this is why he says, why would anybody do this? Why wouldn't you ask God? Now, this is a shocking thing, really. Like, like, like this is how shocking this would be. What, what if I said to you today, church, LifePoint, we have some very big decisions to make about the future of our church, and so when you get home today, I want you to go home and light some candles and invite a palm reader over to speak to the dead on our behalf so we will know what to do. You'd be like, new church, please, new church, right? Or, or like if you went to your small group leader and said, listen, I got some relationship stuff that I'm going through, I, I just... I don't have direction, and they say to you, well, have you prayed about it? And you're like, well, yeah, I've been through a season of prayer, no word from the Lord yet. I'll tell you what, let's gather around a Ouija board, and we'll figure it out from there, right? You'd be like, I'm going to bust a cap at you right here, right now. You're not bringing that into my house, right? This, but this is what is exactly what is going on with God's people and the leadership of God's people. Their leaders, including the king, are getting advice and counsel and spiritual knowledge from from, from the enemy instead of from God himself, totally out of bounds. And this, was, this practice was leading them into a really dark place, so, so dark that in just a very short time, they would be taken captive by the Babylonians. If you remember your history from the Bible, the Babylonians ruled much of the ancient world, and they, they capture uh, Israel, and they take many of them, the best and the brightest of them, some 500 miles away from their ancestral homeland. So, so dark is this time that Isaiah is not only prophesying that it's happening, but it's going to happen, that, that, that there would be a, it would lead to a period of, of 400 years where God does not utter a word to his people. 
there's a gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in that gap is 400 years called the intertestamental period where no word from God came to them by any means at all. Think about the disparity. Think about the, 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 the absence of, of God's word. Think about this. And this is what is happening here. So when it says, when, when, the, when the prophet writes that someday a child will be born, a son will be given, Messiah will come, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, because they're getting their counsel from anything but wonderful sources. This is a very, very dark time. This is, this is why this is such a significant prophecy, because they're traveling through a season that was really just darkness and death. Some of you are like, hey, Danny, nice Christmas message, darkness and death. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you very much for coming today, right? But chapter 8, kidding. Chapter 8 ends with some very ominous warnings, some very dark projections. But then something happens in chapter 9. And, and I want to read this for you because I didn't put it all the way in the notes for the screen. This is verse 1 of chapter 9. There's a shift in mood of darkness and despair and bad things happening. There's a shift. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Nebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, this is the foretelling part of it. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan, which is just a way of saying, hey, out of Galilee, out of Nazareth. Is 700, listen, if you go, I don't know about all this stuff. 700 years before the event, Isaiah says, out of Galilee is going to come some honor, some incredible things. And, and, and here's what, how it's going to look. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. All of a sudden, you see this tremendous shift in mood from chapters 8 to 9. Isaiah says that right now, hey, people, nation of Israel, we're in a season of pathetic darkness, and and it's awful, but those people who are walking in darkness somewhere in the future, they're going to see a a great explosion uh, of light. For those walking through the the, the shadow of death, uh, a a light will dawn. The, The dawn will awaken, right? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That God, God's light will push out the darkness of Ahaz. A season of light will sort of roll back the season of darkness. Darkness will not get the final word in our story, Israel. This is what Isaiah is saying. That's the prophecy of Isaiah 9. Unto us a child is born, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the wonderful counselor. That those of us who've been walking in a dark place will see a great light, is what Isaiah is saying. But, but I wonder, I wonder if there are some of us even here in this room today who've maybe been in a dark season in your own life. Maybe the reason while, why you're here this morning because you weren't intending to come and at the last second you decided to. Maybe the whole reason that you're here is to hear this one sentence that you've been in a dark place but you're about to come into some serious light. 
that when you have been walking in darkness, but you turn your face towards Jesus, something, the light bulb is about to come on. And, and maybe the reason that you've been walking in dark places is because you've gotten some counsel some really, from some really bad places that you meant well to, when these people, and they meant well back, but you're in some desperate need now on the backside of that counsel of a wonderful counselor. So some of you have been in some serious relation, relational darkness. You'll, you'll remember 2019 as the year that relationships got trouble or fell apart. For you, some of you would say, 2019, Danny, man, has not been my best year. It's been a dark year. And I just want to speak over you that hang in there, light is coming, light is dawning. Some of you have a child that you love and you've been in a really dark place with them for a season. Hang in there, man, light is coming. For, for some of you, maybe it's the first year of joint custody, or you've been down that road before, and this is no Norman Rockwell painting or some Hallmark Christmas movie, which, by the way, I found that they're all the same. They just have a different pe people. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm into these things now because my wife is, and I, they're terrible, but I can't look away. Come on. <laughs> just take my man card, man. I'm just going to be flicking out my man cards for every one of them I've watched, which is a lot now, a lot of them. I don't know where I'm going now. Let me back it up and figure out what the point of it is. Maybe this is a season where for the first time it's joint custody and, 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 and we want to pretend and we want to act like everything's okay, but it's creating some, some darkness. This is why... This is why this passage is so important for so many reasons, but this is one of the reasons why this passage is here in Isaiah 9. These people were going to be traveling through a mess, and yet he's saying somewhere in the middle of this mess, there's this prophecy that the Messiah will come, that light will dawn, that darkness will not get the final word, that there is some hope coming in the middle of darkness, and this prophecy was fulfilled, of course, through Jesus, a light in the darkness. Prophecies fulfilled not only to them, it's not only for them, it's personal, it's for you today as well. Others of you have been in spiritual darkness, just lost in sin. Maybe your life is going pretty well, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret. There is, there is darkness inside of you and me, and, and it's called sin, and it's a big deal to God, and some people don't think it's a big deal, and that's why somebody once said, the reason we don't run to God is we don't really know how much trouble we're actually in. It's a big deal to God, this darkness on earth. Such a big deal that, that Jesus came to lead us out of isolation and guilt and loneliness, which is caused by sin. And, and we get hurt by others, and we, we hurt ourselves, and we hurt other people. And so the human condition that Isaiah is describing is this, that we walk in darkness. Apart from God, apart from his presence, apart from his goodness, we walk in darkness. And, and, and this notion of darkness in this context is spoken of over 200 times in the Bible. It's a picture of, of, of life apart from God, apart from his direction, apart from his wisdom, apart from his love and care. We have important decisions to make, but we don't really know what to do. We don't know what the answer is. We have monumental things facing us, and we don't really know how to get over or around them. We don't really know. We're foolish. We're, we're ignorant. We're confused. There's darkness, and we stumble, and we, we, we try to make it through, but we, don't, we, we make so many bad decisions in darkness. But this Christmas, in the middle of all the fun and, and, and the joy and the happiness and the laughter and all the things that we're going to do, I just want us to remember that God, when he saw the human race, you and me stumbling around the dark, we, we're confused. We don't know what to do. We don't have anybody to lead us. We don't have anybody to give us the right answers. And, 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 and here's what he says. 
He doesn't doesn't send us a warning. He doesn't send us a rebuke. He doesn't send us a punishment. He doesn't send us an idea. He doesn't even send us a religion. He sends a child, his son, who embodies all of what the human race was intended to be and, 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 and is the perfect illustration of all the love that God has for us. He sends Jesus, and when Jesus comes, he says in John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. I am the wonderful counselor. I bring clarity into confusion. I bring, I bring light into darkness. Some of us are lost in addiction. Some of us are lost in habits and hurts and hang-ups that we cannot seem to shake loose of. Lost in darkness, confused, a really dark place. The question is, will you turn to Jesus? Will you, will you show, or will you allow his light to shine in your dark places? So, so as I wrap this up this morning. I want to give you some very practical things, and I know there's been a lot of movement here. I would love it if the rest of you who are still here would just kind of be real still, real quick. Just, this is so important, what's going to happen here. Would you do that for me, please, if you can? You have access, you and I do, to not some, some, some theori- theoretical God, some, some, some ethereal, nebulous God out in the universe. We have access to a very personal relevant right now kind of God. So Hebrews 4, I referenced it earlier. I want to read it to you now, verse 16. Look at this with me. The writer says, let us then approach the throne of, would you say this word with me, uh, the throne of, of grace, not, not the throne of judgment or the throne of disappointment or the th- throne of finger pointing. Let us then approach the throne of grace. Why do we need a throne of grace? Because we're jacked up sometimes. Come on, somebody. Can I just be honest? We're, we're messed up sometimes. We need a throne of grace, and we're, we're allowed to approach it with confidence. And you're saying, well, no, no, Danny, you don't know, bro. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the decisions. You don't know how I've hurt people. I can't approach the throne of grace with confidence. I need to clean up my act. I need to get it all together. No, no, this is why it's called a throne of grace. However you are, whether you're on the top or whether you're on the bottom, you can come to the throne of grace with confidence. And, and, and why, do we, why are we coming here? So that we may receive mercy. Yeah, Danny, but I gotta get it all together. No, 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 no. The point is not to come to God cleaned up. The point of, is to come to God to get mercy, to get grace, to get it right, so that I can come there and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of, of need. Th- this is This is who's on display. This is the prophecy of Isaiah that we're gonna have the kind of counselor that we can come to no matter how jacked up things might be and we can come to the throne of grace with confidence. Why confidence? Not confidence in me. Confidence in God who's been there, who's seen it all, who's felt it all so that I can find help. And so the first thing I wanna say to you just practically, three things very quickly, very practically, is that when you come to the wonderful counselor, you just have to be brutally honest with the counselor. This is so important because, frankly, so many of us are not brutally honest with the people in our life. We're masters at the sort of spin of life from the top down, from the corporations to the presidents and the governments, and everybody knows how to spin everything so it looks better than it really is, and we become adept at doing this our own way. So we just need to tell him how we're feeling and, and, and be as honest about what our, what our darkness is and where our brokenness is and where our hurt is, and we just say, Jesus, here's where I'm hurting. Here's where I'm broken. 
Here's what's going on in my life. Here's where I'm confused. Here's where I need clarity around. And I know you already know of this, but I just want to say it out loud. Would you bring light into my dark place? Would you speak life into my dead places? Would you awaken the dawn in my life? See, here's the thing, guys. I, I, I don't want to beat up on anybody, but this is true. So many of us are faking our way through the life with the people around us, the people at work, the people in our own home, the people in our, in, in our, own, in our Christian community. We're, we're faking it around. And, 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 and I get why people do that. We're, we're afraid of being exposed. We're afraid, we're afraid of people knowing what we're really all about. We're afraid of being rejected. And I, so I get that. But we don't have to do that with the wonderful counselor Jesus. We can stop all of that insanity and pour out our hearts and, to, and our souls because the Bible says he cares for you. That's what it says verbatim. He cares for you. He knows exactly what you need. And so you can stop getting counsel from people who don't know what you need and go to him. And, and sometimes he will use other people who are full of wisdom to, to help you. But, but if you're hearing noise from someplace, man, stop it and bring it to Jesus. Where is it dark in your life? You, you know, we're in the holiday season. I, I'm sure you're aware if you've tried to drive anywhere over the last few days, right? But, but what I know about the holidays is that they are a magnifier. They magnify things. That they, they make things look better than they actually are. For instance, this, this last week I put up some lights, I think it was last Friday, just so I could say I did, and so my kids will go, hey, my dad tried. And I put out some, like, wrapped a couple of things and put a fake couple of deer that I bought at Lowe's or wherever in there. And then a couple of days later there was a sign that said, we got fifth place in the contest. And I was like, what contest? How bad is our neighborhood that if this is fifth place, man? <laughs> the holidays magnify things and make them look better than they actually are. But here's the, here's the converse of that. They also magnify the bad things and make them look worse than they really are. And a lot of people are really lonely this time of year. And a lot of people are really uh, lost this, kind of, this year. And they're in some darkness. And the holidays will serve. The enemy will use the, the holidays as a way of magnifying it beyond what it actually is. Holidays are a magnifier. And, and we're, some of us are living in fear and we're worried and we're anxious and we're stressed out about all the stuff that we gotta do and the to-do list is stressing us out and the honey-do list is, is just only exacerbating it already beyond where it's supposed to be. The holidays uh, magnify the stress and how am I gonna get through this and how am I gonna pay for all this and, and how am I gonna make it all happen? And it just feels like stuff is closing around you. Just be honest with it. Where, where's the darkness in your life? So some of you are increasingly lonely. You see other people who seem to be really happy and joyful and, and, and have families. You think, why, why can't I have that? Why do I have to sleep alone? Why do I have to eat alone? I hate it. Where, where's your darkness? Be honest with the counselor. Jesus, he's come into the dark world to bring light and hope. The second thing, beyond being honest with him, is we have to learn to listen for the counselor's voice. And that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to do because it's like, He's the great God out there somewhere, but how do I have a conversation when I don't, what, I'm gonna look nuts. I'm gonna just be talking to him and nobody's gonna be there. They're gonna put me in a home, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get, I get that. So how does that, the counselor speak to us? Because he's not just far out God, he, he's the counselor who speaks. And I promise you that he will speak to you through his word if you'll seek him in his word. He may speak to you today through my words or, or, or the words of a song as you're driving or somebody that you love and count on. He may speak to you as you're, as you're driving home today through a song. I, I get these devotions mailed to my e uh, inbox uh, and, and occasionally I'll read them and they'll just be like, wow, that was the perfect thing that I needed to see and read today and he'll speak to me in that way. But I promise you that if you'll train yourself to listen, he will speak to you. 
And the last thing, the last thing, um, is you have to respond to and do what the counselor says. So I've been in ministry for 26 years now, and I've done a lot of counseling over the years. And probably the most frustrating part of counseling is when people come to you with their stuff, and you're like, okay, don't, it's not the end of the world. Settle down. Let's not freak out here. Here's what I want you to go do. And then you come with them the next week, and they're like, it's gotten much worse. Okay, well, did you do what we talked about last week? Well, no. Oh, well, see, there's, there's a progression here. You know, we do these things, and it, it can get better, but you got to do what the counselor says. And I was talking to a counselor this morning, uh, and the, after the first service, came up and introduced himself to me. He's like, yeah, that's the most frustrating part of it. You give them the right, the right words, but they don't actually run with it and do it. And, and I got to say this to you. Sometimes what the wonderful counselor will speak to you will not be what you want to hear. And you got to know that because you'll push back and be like, nah. But you got to trust him that he's not just a counselor. He is a wonderful counselor, right? Just meaning that he will only ask you to do whatever will ultimately benefit you in the long term, even if it's not what you want to do right here, right now. He will never ask you to do something that's going to harm you in some way. It's going to try to make it better. And, and I don't know what his advice to you would be. Maybe it's for some of you that he would speak to you very clearly that you need to break up with the person you're dating and if they're with you, you're like, oh man, why did I come today, right? <laughs> and I wasn't going to come and now I did and now I'm like, oh, that's why you broke up. That guy, I'm going to spray paint his house. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, the thing about our God is he knows the beginning but he also knows the end, which means that he knows the trajectory of the relationship. He knows the trajectory of the way you're handling money. He knows the trajectory of the way that you're handling uh, your time with God or without God. He, he sees all this because every decision we make has a path to it, and it has a destination to mind. And you may not even mean to go down this road. You may be like, hey, I'm going this way. I'm going to go over here and do this thing. But the path that you're on is not leading to this thing. It's leading to that thing. And so sometimes the council will say, listen, you've got to turn around. You've got to stop, turn your face around towards me. You've got to turn around. You've got to trust me on this. You're not going to like it. It's going to hurt in the short term, but you've got to trust me. There's a trajectory to this thing, and he loves you. Some of you, you're not going to, you're going to sink for the rest of your life financially because of the way you handle money and, and the decisions you're making. He might be saying, hey, you've got to stop. It's going to head you into some darkness and, and some hopelessness and some despair because financial trouble and ruin is a despair like few other kinds. And he's like, I know where you're going and I know you think it's just it's fun and games right now, but it's going to be darkness. You've got to stop, downsize, do whatever it takes to get healthy. Bring it into the light, some of you. You've got a whole second life going on. You have an addiction or you have a struggle or there's some chains in your life. And he's like, hey, listen, we've got to bring this into the light got to turn our faces. We got to turn from this way and we got to go a different way. It's not going to lead, uh, there's not going to be a good outcome. And, and you're like, well, Danny, you know what, man, that, that all sounds hard and that sounds painful. But what if this is the counsel of the God who created you and who knows you better than you know you and who loves you with a love beyond compare, any human comparison what if he's trying to, listen now, what if he's trying to pull us from the darkness while at the very same time pulling the darkness from us with this counsel? What if that's his notion? What if that's his intention? 
What if he came to be our wonderful counselor and we actually did what he said? You know, one of the most distressing statements in all of the Bible, and it's a question that Jesus posed in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? Somebody could just say, ouch, right? Why do you even try to call me Lord when you don't even do what I say? And see, here's the thing. What wonderful counsel is not helpful if we don't respond to and do what the counselor says? So I got a couple of questions for you just as we wrap here. Question number one is, is, has there been any real movement in your life in 2019? We're at the end of 2019. Has there been any real movement in your life? And what I mean by that, has there been any point during the course of the year where you heard a word from God, whether it was from a sermon, a song, a friend, a devotion, and God said, hey, listen, I need you to stop and turn. I need you to turn. And you did that. In that moment, you stopped and you turned. And you didn't do it perfectly. And, but, but generally speaking, you've turned and you're in a direction in a different way than you, than you were. Can I, can I first of all just stop and say, would you hear the whisper of God who says, well done. That's awesome. I love you. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter in whom I'm pleased. Way to go. Keep moving. Keep moving in the direction. I know it's hard, but just trust me. Keep moving. Would you see the smile of God over you today? If you heard the voice and you said, yeah, I'm going to respond to it. So the second question is, did you hear a voice from the Lord, a word from the Lord, and, and you didn't turn? And you, and you stuck your feet in the ground and you got maybe stiff-necked or stiff-armed God in some way. But, but, but again, what if it's the voice of the wonderful counselor who wants to pull you from the darkness and who wants to pull the darkness from you? Do you really want to fight that? Do you really want to go into 2020 with the same old hurts and habits and hang-ups and the same old baggage, or would you rather lay it down at his feet and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do I get out of this? How do I move forward? Man, I would just plead with you, if you've heard a voice and if you've had a season where you've sort of stiff-armed God and have been holding him at bay going, hey, one day, someday, whenever all the, the stars align, whenever I get this season of my life over, then I will, I would just, I would just argue with you that you just open your hands and say, today's the day, God, where I'm going to hear you and I'm going to turn. I'm going to respond with open hands. I've got to leave this darkness behind, God. If I stay on this path, it's going to cause a lot of pain and it's going to cause a lot of hurt in my life and maybe in the lives of others. T- today, if you hear his voice, just open your hand and say, God, by your grace and with your help, I'm going to turn. Come on, that's a word for somebody today. You've got to hear it. And you can't just hear it, but you've got to do it. You've got to do what he says. James says you, gotta, you can't just be hearers of God's word. You've got to be doers of it as well. Because here's the deal. For unto us, Isaiah said, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. So if you're facing a major decision, and you don't know what to do, and you have a, you have a wonderful counselor, Jesus, who brings light into dark places. Amen, somebody? Can I pray with you, just real quick, if you don't mind, bowing your heads and closing your eyes. Father, thank you so very much that almost 2,700 years ago, through a prophet named Isaiah, you delivered this word to the nation of Israel and by extension now to us. That unto us a child would be born not just any child, but the Messiah, the King, Jesus Christ, the living God. And one of the many qualities 
that he brings to us is this idea of bringing clarity, of bringing light, of bringing hope. Frankly, some of us are in bigger trouble than we know right now. And God's trying to tap us on the shoulder, trying to tap us in the heart and going, hey man, please, hey girl, please, hey daughter, hey son, please stop and turn. Turn. Let the light of Jesus face. Look, look full into his wonderful face. And the things which seem so big right now, seem so awesome right now, will fade, will, will grow dim in the light of his glorious grace, the song says. God, thank you that we don't have just a God far off who doesn't know where we're at, but we have a, a God who Hebrews says we can come to and approach the throne of grace and find help, find mercy and grace in our time of need. Thank you that when you came, you didn't bring a judgment, you didn't bring a punishment. You sent a son to die, to be born and to die. A baby who came in a manger but who grew up and become a man who stretched arms open wide to pay for the sins of the world. Thank you for that, I pray. And may we, in this place, if you've touched us on the shoulder today, may we respond. May this, this next year be transformational because we heard and we turned and we moved in a different direction. May, may our vision not be cloudy, but may we, have, may we have 2020 vision in 2020, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before I move on, can I just bless you guys? Would you, would you receive a blessing? Particularly those of you who would say, Danny, I'm in a darkened space in my life. Frankly, it's a lot darker than I want to admit. I wonder if you would just open your hands to receive a blessing. I'm going to read it to you. May, may the light of God's grace invade this season that you're in. May God bring you unexpected joy. Even in the middle of your mess. May you emerge from this dark tunnel through which you are traveling into a season of God's grace in your life. May God restore your laughter. May your season of confusion be followed by a season of genuine clarity. I ask our gracious God that darkness would not be the final word of your story. I ask that you would have the hope that God may be telling a really good story through your life. If it is a good story with some pretty awful parts, may the light of God invade your darkness and may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may the grace of God and the love of God be your guide all the way through. Amen, somebody. God bless you. Thank you so much, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.